Dynamite Neddy. Uh, we are here before the Inverclyde Classico in the Greenock Juniors Clubhouse at the minute. The voice you're hearing just now is, of course, Mick Clockerty. I'm joined by Johnny Branchfield and Andy Mack. We have also got Betty, Rory and Ben Ways. Hi, say hello. Troops. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> got a bit of a derby on the go today. It's an Inverclyde derby. I don't know the last time these two teams played because I don't research. Quick, quick. I did my research in uh, Greenock. have won it the last 112 times in a row. <laughs> Definitely true. You can check it. I, I wouldn't bother fact-checking that. Just, just I read in the Port Hibs newsletter that Greenock cheated every time, so... <laughs> could go anyway, but in it, there's not really any... Greenock got relegated last year, didn't they? So they're in a the third division now. Aye, I think the, the Port have been on a wee run this season. But only maybe the last three games or so. I think both teams have started quite poorly. Greenock haven't been winning games, and Port have won the last couple of games, I believe. See, that's a problem, though. This level, consistency is a problem. But I came here a couple of times last year at Ravens Creek. Greenock won 6 0, 5 1. I was like, ah, you're going to a canter. Next week, they'll turn up wrecked and hungover and all that. <laughs> right. Mr. Andy Mack, let's start with you. Tell us what this derby means to you and what your prediction is. I couldn't sleep last night, it was like Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. See when you heard like, Greenwood Juniors when you're a wee guy, you wonder, is that like a boys team or whatever? But then Aye. you realise it's not, it's men versus men. Makes it obviously Greenwood and Port's got a, a big history. I don't know if it's hatred, would you say hatred? Maybe 200 years ago. <laughs> but we're living different times now, but hopefully we can resurrect, hopefully we can resurrect it tonight. <laughs> You talk, you're referring to the child that they killed in 1820. <laughs> obviously, obviously, man. As if you need a reminder. One thing we're going to do is, uh, I do it every year, it's a pie review. Well, you've all been doing your half-time pie review. I'm going to press you for a prediction here. Well, last time, I don't know if we used the same recipe or whatever, but it was a 7 out of 10 last time. How <laughs> standard slip. Can you review the same pies? <laughs> it was really my, my fault for no specifying there. Could I get a prediction in terms of the fit bar? <laughs> No, the fucking half-time baked goods. <laughs> I think it'll be free to Greenock. I think it'll be tight, but there's going to be a last-minute goal. I'm going to pivot to the port side now. Which one of you wants to, to field this next? Are you on the port side? I am. Aye, I'm all, I finally decided that right. I was Team Port Glasgow right, after Smithering all day. Hey, why did you pick Team Port Glasgow? I'm sort of like family 50-50, but genuinely the only reason is because there's six of us here, three are supporting Greenock, <laughs> and I wanted to make the third to support Port Glasgow and make it 50-50. I, as I said, I reckon it's because if you supported Greenock, Betty would treat you like Fredo at a Godfather <laughs> 2. You would be getting taken out fishing. I did, and I did not want a family civil war. <laughs> no, you know, I was at my dad's, Joe Fleming's tonight, and he said that he would support Greenock, and he thinks I'm going to win. Interesting. Oofed. He lives in Port Glasgow. Oh my God. Well, I'm still going with the port. I'm not listening to my dad. Uh, and I'm going to say it's going to be 5-3 to Port Glasgow. I'm hoping for eight goals. Fuck, I like it. I like it. No, I like a high score in production. Uh, Mr Branchfield. I, weirdly, I was going to go 5-3 to Greenock, but I'm going to change that just because Ben picked 5-3 and it now seems like I'm copying him immediately. So I'm going to go 6-3 to Greenock. Oh, <laughs> nine goals. Nine goals. I mean, it's, a, it's been a bit wet out here. It's a slippery pitch. So there's going to be mistakes. I've seen a keep by about four foot. Hello, Greenockians. It's Port Junior's best fan here, Mick McCormick. 
So here we have prediction. Mick tells me that this is possibly going to be a high-scoring game because the two teams haven't been doing particularly great. Uh, I'm going to call it 4-2 for the Port. So I, I'm on the Port, uh, I'm on the Scalpies, I'm on the Star Bar. And uh, actually, it's not cringe at all to um, have Dragon to be your sponsor. It's actually really cool. Peace out. Betty, I would say that you are um, quite a hardcore pork lesga enthusiast. Um, tell us a bit about why you love the port. Engage your prediction. I think it's got charisma, uniqueness, <laughs> nerve and talent. Um, and I think it's going to be 3-1 to the port. Oh, bold stuff. Right, I'll come in. I'm going to be diplomatic here. I'm going to be cheering on Greenock as my birthplace. I think it's going to be four each. I am also going for a fucking eight goal. And I think there's going to be two sendings off on either side. There's going to be fights. There's going to be descent. It's going to be a fucking barnstormer. games on FIFA when you get five men sent off. It's abandoned. Aye. I literally said that And we'll finish off with the port side here with Rory. Give us some port patter and tell us your prediction. Long time listener, first time caller <laughs> um, I think 4-2 to the Undertakers tonight because um, I'm very poor and Aye. you need to get over this whole child killing thing it's, it's, gone on. Let it go. it's in the past for context, I guess, in, in 1820, <laughs> there was this thing called the Radical War where a load of weavers went on strike and were rebelling against the British government. They were inspired by the United Irishmen and the French. Greenock was actually quite a loyal town, by the way, I will fucking point that out. However, a load got arrested at a strike in Paisley. They got taken to Greenock Prison and an angry crowd tried to break them out. And then the Port Glasgow volunteers showed up probably drunk on dragon soup who knows <laughs> <laughs> and they shot a win they did they killed nine people he had a load of people for Greenock that took pitchforks and torches and went up and tried to burn Port Glasgow down in the barracks and again they get held at gunpoint at a bridge at the Vol to <laughs> sober up and go away <laughs> and the ancestors of that child are here with us tonight <laughs> you've got your predictions you've got your historical context and we'll, we'll see you at half time we're here at Ravens Craig it's one nothing to the Greenock after a spirited first half, there was some Greenock Wayne's letting off flares. The, the air of hash smoke did enter our nostrils at a few times. Post alarms, people are drinking, people are having fun. It's been a spirited tie. It's been it's been class. I well, I see about two, 250, 300 people here. Off the Underclyde man having a wheelie at time. Oi, Wayne's are loving it over there. There's people down here having a half bottle of Buckfast, a wee dragon soup, whatever. It's great, it's a good atmosphere. Plus, the knock are one now up. Well, but Rory, now that I've got you here, Port aren't far behind them. I don't think this is going to finish one nothing. No, it's been quite a disappointing night for football <laughs> all round. <laughs> Still 45 minutes ago, we'll see how it goes. There's not been a lot of highlights. I missed the one booking because I went to the toilet. So it, it was uh, a good gin to be fair. It was a but. Before I pass this over to Johnny Branchfield and the Plemons, Andy Mack, gauge your pie review, as I understand it, this is going to be scathing. Well, I'm trying not to be too harsh. We're under the floodlights here tonight at Ravens Craig, and the last time was a Saturday afternoon. It's a Friday night, so I went down there fully expecting big crowd, big game of the season. It's going to be a, a scrumptious pie, you know. They beat a 7 out of 10 rating for last year. Yep. No such luck, my son. 1 out of 10. 
a one. Right, right, tell us why it's a what? Like, it's better than a zero, but what, how so low? Well, I was caught off guard by the spiffing looking gentleman with the shirt and the Greek Junior's tie on. Greeted me with a smile and asked for what I had the experience, which meant a Bovro and a pie for 3.30. I thought you can't beat that price. So I went away with a pie, happy as Larry sat down. First thing I'd done was take a chew at it, and the pie was a colder temperature than my tongue. Oh no. no. So I, my mouth was telling me to spit it out essentially. Now I wanted to give me benefit of the doubt, so I put a few chomps in. But I'm a portly gentleman, right? When you ever see me do a pie review with a bit of pie left? Never in my life, Andy. This is the situation now, one out of ten, I'm sorry. He threw some pie away, it was that bad. Shocking, he's seen here at Ravens I'm, I'm, I'm going to pass the, the mic over to, to Johnny Branchfield. Johnny, gauge your thoughts on the first half. Surprisingly, Greenock have been on the ascendancy for most of it and in, in control especially since they've not won I don't know if they've won this season they've not They've not been very they've good been poor this season. they've not been very good at all but uh, no they've been They've been decent today they've been controlling the ball any little chances that um, Port have had have been half chances at best and I I, I fully expect Greenock to come out in the second half and, and maybe score an R1 or two so it's looking good just now I think they're going to tire I think they're falling right in their port's traps the undertakers have got this covered they know what they're doing can bring us back I mean Paul Berra could be a manager in the Undertakers <laughs> when they bring us back here Betty give some fucking first half input hey. I thought it was going to be better <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really am enjoying the atmosphere it's, it's always sunny in Greenock I know <laughs> I thought I was going to get some of these Kill these Greenock bastards <laughs> up the port. Well, Come on. Do you know? I don't know if you if you know this saying, right? Maybe this is just a thing in my family, right? But they say you'll have more fun at a port funeral than a Greenock wedding. You know That's that? I've, I've heard that, but um, for Edinburgh and Glasgow. Oh no, port and port and Greenock. Anyway, getting into the second half, one nothing Greenock. Let's go. Here at Ravens Craig Stadium, <laughs> it's two nothing to Greenock full time. Two defensive teams, nothing going forward for either team really. <laughs> uh, Greenock took their two chances they got, and it's poor skydells and misters. The poor, the poor had the better chances, and they skied them. The poor were the better team overall. If if mm. that finished to each, I don't think MD would have argued too much. <laughs> like uh, really, <laughs> poor didn't take their chances. Greenock took their chances. The poor missed their chances. That's it. That's On a branch field, you are our guest. Oh yes, he's also the most sober, but he's also the guest for the Fatma special, as per as every year will be. Johnny closes it. So. These guys all saw the game through hazy eyes. I am completely sober, as they've mentioned, completely compass mentis. It was an astounding victory from Greenock Juniors. Controlled it from start to the end. He's amazing. A, He's amazing. A clean sheet and a beautiful 30-yard goal. So, yeah, enjoy the podcast. We'll see you soon. The poor killed that win. <laughs> Day 
Dynamite Neddy. It's a show where three pals get together and talk about a couple of old games. The voice you're hearing just now is Andy MacArthur. With me today is the QB's favourite software programmer, Mick McCormick. How's it going? And friend of the show, regular contributor and super fan, Johnny Branchfield. Kanichiwa. <laughs> How are you guys? Not bad. I'm just glad I got a day the Kanichiwa because you were doing the Mick Clockerty part. So I, 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 I thought if there was no Kanichiwa, why would people even listen? Exactly. So thanks for filling in there. So, Sadly, we don't have uh, Clockerty today. He received a one podcast ban after his uh, antics at the football the other week. Yeah, and, and rightfully so. It's, uh, I mean, he's going to appeal it and probably get pushed back to a two match ban, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I told him that he shouldn't be streaking on the pitch. It's a family event, but he couldn't help himself. That's it. It's usually an automatic yellow, but because his, his sight was so bad, they gave him a straight red card, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> lucky it wasn't more than one game. But hey, uh, today um, it's our third annual FIPA special, and like every year, we like to attend a FIPA game before it. And this year we attended um, a game that could probably be described as historic, important and full of history. We went to the Inverclyde Derby, Greenock Juniors versus Port Juniors at Ravenscraig. What did you think of the game, Johnny? I really enjoyed it. We had a, a decent wee crowd with us. Um, a much bigger crowd at the actual event than, than what I, I thought there was going to be. Aye. I thought that, aye, there was about 300 people there. There was a weird buzz around the, the stadium, there was like, you know, you had your wee Fitbit Ultras for the, I don't know if they were Green Up or Port <laughs> fans, but they had they had flares and smoke grenades and aye, they were they were trying to sing wee songs and uh, it was a bit, a bit weird. It was, <laughs> it got a bit crazy when um, I was like, it's not going to be like, we kind of bigged it up a wee bit in the social club before it, and um, we said this is going to be a bit mental and all that, but we're kind of tongue in cheek, but we're surprised to see, as you mentioned, that there was wee guys actually letting our smoke bombs and fucking strobe lights and all that, had their own songs. Aye, it was very odd, and it and it wasn't raining, so that was that was nice as well. It was one of the last good days we had, I think, um, before the Aye. weather changed. But but no, it was it was class. Um, I was supporting Greenock just because last year we went and watched the Greenock Juniors. I think half of the other people that we were with while were going going young port just because <laughs> they're, they're badgings. But uh, the, the Undertakers is is also their nickname, so I think a, a few of them were were, were turned on that that point Aye. as well. Mr. Goffs. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed um, some of the contributions from former guests of the show and their friends and relatives. Not sure how much of it made it into the edit, but um, <laughs> maybe you'll hear but some of their chat. I would be surprised if, if very much of it made it into the edit, especially like maybe before the game, but uh, definitely the, the, the aftermath. Uh, I think there'll be a lot of bleeps and bloops in that. Aye. <laughs> He's only shouting, way yo, way yo, way <laughs> See, the way it normally works is we normally go to the game um, and then we record that the game and fit it into the start. But because we've not got caught the ways, it might be a bit less um, seamless. But we usually do a pie review, right? That's usually one of my favourite bits about these things. And um, I waited to about half time when the pie hut opened and I went down thinking, right, here we go. It was the same venue as the first one with the sort of last year's. What, what was um, the score last year? Oh, last year it was 3 1 to Greenock. No, I meant the score for your pie. <laughs> <laughs> last time I think it was an 8 out of 10, aye. So I got the pie right, took it up. And I, it didn't feel promising, man. I'm, you know what? Wait, the heavier it feels, sort of the colder it is. 
I could kind of feel the coldness from my hand. I took one bite of it and it went all that kind of way where the temperature of the meat is sort of warm the temperature of your tongue. So it feels like your body's trying to get rid of it, like a rotten tooth or something, but it's rejecting it. It was rotten. It was too cold, man. Um, the grease was like, um, what do you call them things you get at Christmas? A pork pie. Like, <laughs> it congealed into its own thing and made its own sort of chamber. Can we just call out that Andy MacArthur can tell the, the temperature of a pie based purely on its weight? <laughs> the sixth like, sense uh, well McQuay Cockley agreed me when he says that he's never seen me throw away any sort of scram before and uh, he did that night so that kind of says oh and I think I gave it a 1 out of 10 I. from an 8 to a 1 for the same venue that's that's not very consistent no well, that's it I know and um, I think it can do the because it was a big attendance and a big game the guy that owned the club was sort of serving at the booth so he did be tying that on, and I just don't think he, I don't think he was a normal guy. I think it was his first day. It was like CEOs and like no Richie Sunak trying to just like, get homeless people food, not Richie Sunak. <laughs> well, see whatever his name is. <laughs> but, uh, well, he is Richie Richie. Uh, it was sort of like that, but but the bad pie was the only bad result any because you know got actually went on to win two nothing. Yeah, it was it was a, it was an odd game, and I thought first half was a wee bit scrappy. I thought. Were, had a few chances but they were all half chances and Greenock got a goal I think towards the end of the first half right yeah. um, and it was a wee bit against their run of play but I think they also looked kind of comfortable and didn't look like they were going to concede the second half Port came out and absolutely hammered them for the whole half and somehow Port uh, Greenock got another goal and won the game which is weird because last year when we went to it Greenock won against St Ants they were totally unfancied and managed to win the game. So I think we're just really good luck charms to him. Mm, Matt, but could be a point, aye. Absolute jammy bastards. Uh, yep. Greenock, uh, I thought defending was pretty good on both sides. Uh, there wasn't a lot of creative play going forward, which is to be expected at this level. But uh, defending was quite consistent on both sides. Greenock had a chance right at the end to score. Um, I think a guy, can't remember his name, but he made a mazy run like Lionel Messi right through and nearly scored. But we also have to talk about the Port's missed chances. I mean, for Christ. There was three of them in particular, and, and one of them, I think, was a, an open goal from about three yards, and he managed to hit it over the bar. Oh, oh it was bad, wasn't it? Um, I think there was a second one too. Both of them were like Chris Ivalumo against Norway, well, but I think one was worse than the other. I'm not too sure if it was second. Or... This is a good day for Scotland, so let's not mention Chris Ivalumo. Christ, <laughs> uh, that brings us to our, our next point here. So, so, especially join us on a night that it's pivotal for Scotland we're playing Spain away tonight and any sort of result gets us to the Euros what do you think man we've got a chance we're five games into qualifying we've won five we've only conceded one goal and that was a penalty from Erling Haaland who is arguably the best striker in the world right now so I'd say we're doing pretty good I, I don't think we'll beat Spain in Spain but also Spain have got to play Norway on Tuesday or something like that and if Norway don't win, then we qualify anyway. So I think we will we will be fine, um, but probably not tonight. Here's the kind of mathematics of this. What needs to happen for Scotland to qualify here? Scotland, there's three games left. Scotland would need to lose all three of their games, and Norway would need to win all three of their games. Norway's games are against Cyprus tonight, which they will win, but then they've got Spain in their next game, and then next month they play Scotland in Hamden. So the chances of Norway winning all three of their, their, their games, right. Scotland losing all three of theirs, is pretty slim. 
the fact that we beat Spain last time is what I gave him a black eye. They found their form again recently, it kind of doesn't bode well for us because <laughs> we kind of get showed against um, England that we're not quite up to snuff when it comes to the elite nations. But then I'm thinking to myself, are Spain as good as England? I'm not too sure. Just for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to say Spain are much better than England, but in, in, in reality, between, between us, between us, squirrel friends, uh, England are better than Spain. <laughs> aye, aye. But we shall see. I mean, hope springs eternal and a human breast. So let's just hope we can get a job done, man. We hope we can get a Euros. Scotland seem to do their best when you've got your lowest expectations for them and then absolutely flub games against countries that you think they'll walk all over. So who knows, really? Uh, case in point, um, the games where we would beat what, France at home or Italy at home, what would happen is the 11 boys that played would become the toast of the nation, right? So they'd go out in Glasgow and get fucking hammered, Eggies, Sniff, everything. But then they would have to go to the fucking Eastern Bloc and play that fucking Belarus away. And they'd all be hungover and they'd get humped. But it's actually way could have crumbled. But I don't know if things are a wee bit different now, maybe. We can actually get a job done this time. I think if you look at what teams in the past compared to what team now and the quality and what teams people are playing for. So you've got like McTominay that plays for Man United, you've got Robertson that plays for Liverpool, Tierney who formerly of Arsenal and now playing in Spain as well. Um, he's injured tonight, unfortunately. But you're like you've got players playing at big teams um, at a high level every week, and and we just we and we've got a good manager, so I think we're we're on the up. I think we should be pretty confident going into these games, and I think we should also be pretty confident going into the tournament, as in when we qualify for it, that that we can get through. The first couple of rounds, maybe, um, if we get a half decent draw. Fingers crossed. Right, anybody else get anything else about the, the upcoming match tonight, or should we move on to our games for today? I know you've been putting off talking about this game, Andy, but let's just bite the bullet here. Right, I'll be asking, <laughs> right? So, why did I choose Roy the Rovers for the fucking Commodore 64? <sighs> right. Roy the Rovers, right? I like him. I like his he cut his jib. I like he, the, the front case and all that when he's kicking the ball and kind of looks like a bit like Colin Hendry and that Braveheart. You like the cut of his chin? I, I like uh, the dimple on his chin. And that it looks good. No, I mean you're, you're getting behind. I, I like him. I like the idea of him. That he's got a comic book about a fucking fitba guy, right? But what I'd been into this, I went into this with the best expectations. I said, right, this is going to be cool. It's going to be like a wee quirky thing. It's going to be a bit like a DOS games, like Simon the Sorcerer, and maybe even a bit like Maniac Mansion, where you walk about and you have to like point and click everywhere. And it was kind of like that, but in the worst possible sense. So I'm going to tell you my experience with it, right? And I don't want to offend anybody that likes this Commodore 64. Um, because this is just the way I was I was lucky enough to be brought up in the sixteen bit times. It was easy as putting a cartridge in a system and press play, right? So I downloaded the emulator Roy the Rovers for the, the C sixty four. And what I found out was that getting a game started on a home computer before the likes of Windows and DOS, you had to faff about with it to no end. <laughs> there's there's a certain amount of typing commands in. And um, you're lucky that it wasn't a real Commodore 64 because you probably would have had to rewind a tape <laughs> and then have to play the entirety of the tape before you could even have a go at this masterpiece. I, I remember my uncle Scott had the uh, Lou Reed Transformer on one side to the tape and then like Defender on the other side. <laughs> it was weird, man. But 
Aye, so th this game, I went into it and thought, right, let's just have a wee go, man. So I set up uh, C64, and then the game started with shite music, by the way, just pure stock music, right? And um, I said, right, okay, let's just get a show on the road. So I pressed enter, no response, right? So I pressed uh, ASD, no response. I tried every button on the fucking keyboard, didn't respond. I go into the emulator and see how I could change the input configuration. Couldn't figure it out, man. It was like, um, it was giving me values instead of like, information. So it was saying like, up was zero, zero, one, zero, zero, what? Like, gave me binary and shit. <laughs> I didn't even fucking know what I was talking about. So I went on to uh, look about how how I can set up my input configuration. And it was, I had to read like a full notepad on how to do it. And by this time, I'm like, I've made the wrong fucking choice here, man. <laughs> so I found out, after much faffing about, how much I had to through to get us finally working and then um, I finally got start and two buttons working and the directional keys which got me in and I thought right here we go it's all it's all uphill for you it's all uphill for you it's going to be great we're going to have a great time no oh man starts off it gives you a Royal Rovers screen Royal Rovers kicking a ball off a journalist's face or a, <laughs> a cop's face or something or something like that and then the story comes on that the team has vanished and the promoters are going to pull out of the club. The chief executive asks you to go and find the remaining team members in order to get the show on the road. What, have they all just been out on the piss or something the night before and they kind of track them down for the big game? See, I thought that was a premise, but um, I don't know, I couldn't tell you. So it says, OK, Roy, you've got till 7pm to find the team, right? And then that went away. And I was looking at the screen and I'm thinking, right, OK, what now? You couldn't walk in any doors, right? The time moves up. I thought it was pretty cool that it changes time, but it shows you a direction and then it shows you another wee guy. But you can't interact with anything. You can look at your objects. You can pick one thing up and drop it again. You can walk about. But I couldn't figure out what to do. I walked here, I walked back and forth. I tried to talk to people. I end up in like wee cafes and shit. I couldn't figure out what to do. I got to a place called Roy's House. There was stuff lying on a flare. You could pick it up, but you didn't know what to do with it. There was no, there was no intuitive like, instructions. There was no um, nothing to do. Was there an arrow that you could follow to try and find the, the other players? No. But, no. What, you said there was an arrow. Oh, right. Aye, there was a direction. It just showed you what direction you were going. So if you were right. facing the east, it would change to north. If you were facing down, it would go south, west, and east. And there was a score thing as well. You could only pick an object up and drop it. And there was I couldn't figure out how to get past the first bit. The end. No. <laughs> so I, I sat with it for a while, and I thought, this is fucking terrible, man. I can't do it. I restarted it and back to the title screen because I seen the option that you can play football on it, right? Right. And I wish I never fucking bored with that either. I mean, I feel as if I'm sitting slating as as shite here, man. Oh, right? you but are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at. I'm, I'm looking at the views for back today, right? Um, Zap, which was the big Commodore 64 magazine, gave it an 18 percent, right, in 1980s, right? Uh, Games Preview, which was another big one, gave it 19 percent. Commodore user as well gave it 30. Computer video games gave it 27%. So this was a shite game even back then, you know? And it just wasn't cohesive. I didn't find myself enjoying it at all. And I couldn't get my hedron with it, essentially. I was stuck on that first bit for pure ages. 
and I, I couldn't figure it out. Any time I've played a, a C64 game in this podcast, and I'm sorry to admit this, but I have had to look up a walkthrough pretty quickly, just because like not many of the, the sort of things that you're used to for games, like your expectations are matched by these old games, like even the controls don't work the same. The kind of logic of it is just not really what you'd expect. I'm just kind of looking at a walkthrough of some of the things you have to do to finish this now. Does any of this ring a bell to you? Go to a pub called the King's Heed. There's a chap loitering in the back. Go and talk to him. Tells you to be in another pub in 25 minutes. Like, this is the sort of thing you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take these quests to find these other players. Did this game come with like, a book that told you all this or something? Because there's nothing intuitive about that. All you've got is a setting to walk, walk or run or you can smile or just chat. And the wee guy standing there just tells you about something that he meet you uh, meet me 25 minutes at the pub, aye. But when you do that, it, nothing happens. <laughs> I, I did look at a, like, a playthrough for it as well, and there's like bits where you're just like in a building site for a new stadium, and you're going up all the stairs, and you've got to find, I don't know who you're trying to find at this point, one of, one of your players probably, but like the guy that was doing the playthrough was going up, trying to get into doors, and sometimes them doors weren't working, or it was taking you just in this kind of maze, then sometimes the door that you tried before that didn't do anything, you would go up a level and then come back down a level and it would just work the next time round. <laughs> so so I think like just purely just on the mechanics of moving around and doing things in this game were clearly very, very frustrating. Roy of the Rovers was a wee bit <laughs> before uh, all of our times, really, because I, I think it was out in the like, 50s or 60s or something, and then was only out until like, the early 90s. So. Uh, I guess some of the magic's probably probably lost on on us, and it's certainly lost on me because these football teams called Melchester United, so it's definitely a Manchester thing going on there. And that it's not, I don't like them. So <laughs> See, one, I did one thing happened, and it was I was walking along the street in Finnewell, just up spawns this wee gangster. He pulls a gun out on you, and he says, uh, "Give your wallet, gov," but I never had any money. So you just sort of, uh, uh, he just disappears again and you appear one street back with any money. But I'm guessing that that would normally take money off you if you had some. Melchester sounds like a pretty rough place, to be honest. It seems like, you know, when this game was set, it was maybe the, the mines had shut down or it's this industry had shut down and people were resorting to crime. I'm looking at the, just this walkthrough here, it says, there are muggers about so don't carry your wallet unless you're doing the Blackie Grey rescue. Don't know who he is, but um, apparently you need your wallet for that quest. Um, if you go into the police station, nothing good will happen. You'll just be interrogated and waste time. Good, good advice for life, really. I, I was going to say that should be the the first review on TripAdvisor for every major city in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is actually. I'm I'm just finding out about it now. There is actually. I, I think comes with us as a companion piece, and it shows you a map by Melchester, and it tells you where you need to go, who's standing where, and all that, and what you need to do. You need to read the manuals for these old games, like there was no tutorials or anything. Or that's precious disc or cassette space wasted. So, yeah, if you're going in without reading the manual, there's nothing that's going to happen. Even like if you play like the first Zelda, that like you're not going to get very far if you don't read the manual. But we we weren't necessarily to know that. Yeah, I would have been the same as Andy because when I was like, even new probably, but like if I was a wee guy and I was going into a video shop or into Blockbuster or whatever to get some games. I didn't read even the back, like let alone nah. the, the let alone the, <laughs> the menu or let, let alone the manual. Like I, I just looked at a picture, and uh, if I liked the picture, that was getting the, the old rental for the weekend. 
<laughs> well, you know, I don't like the slate games on on Dynamite Neddy if I if they don't deserve it, right? And I don't know if it's just a time thing with me and because of the generation I was brought up in, but this is one of the worst games I've ever played in my life. <laughs> um, and I dare say, man, probably the worst I played on Dynamite Neddy. Was it better or worse than the pie? Oh, yeah, the pie was far worse. <laughs> Why was far worse? <laughs> you went in to the pie with high expectations, I guess. Aye, at least this was colourful, one like the pie. Ah, even the football, right? They've really tried with the football, but it just doesn't doesn't work. The ball physics are that like, you're playing with a fucking cube. The wee five or six guys just don't move right, and the ball sometimes just goes right through you, and you've got to hit the this uh, what's supposed to be a sphere on the right pixel, or else it doesn't pick up the collision detection. And at the end, you don't win by like 1-0 or 2-0, you win by a final score. So if you score, you get like 200 points. <laughs> but, aye, that is what it is. See, one thing I've uh, learned from, from looking at this Royal Rovers thing just through Wikipedia, uh, etc. Um, I can't find it anywhere, but I want to find it. Apparently, there was a, a song it was released called Europe United. It was Roy Race for Roy of the Rovers and Gary Lineker who'd done it. <laughs> and it, it, Wikipedia describes it as a hot rocking heavy metal rap, but it failed to chart in the UK top 40. I can't find it. <laughs> I'm imagining like Public Enemy and Anthrax or something. Yeah, I want to find it. I want to find it now. <laughs> <laughs> who does the heavy metal and who does the rap? That's what I want to know. I hope it's all Gary Lineker considering Roy Race is just fictional character like <laughs> <laughs> presumably he's got a voice actor or something <laughs> I read an old magazine re- report about this and people are saying like this is 1988 it's not how often we get two terrible games in one package but Roy Rovers really delivers in fact I can't remember <laughs> seeing a two section game as bad as this in my life adventure section is pathetic the useless um, item management system in the football game doesn't even use goals as a scoring system. There's not even goalposts. <laughs> I've not really got much frame of reference with like what is a good Commodore 64 game. Like it's funny that you know even for the time it was considered bad. You wonder what would what they considered amazing in those days. Well, remember that we played the one um, McMenemy gave me. Does he? Aye, does he? Was pretty good. That was pretty good, man. Um, that was sort of it, it embraced its limitations, didn't it? I, I think who was it done as Gremlin right now? I think Gremlin are quite a a well reputed um, developer, aren't they? What else did Gremlin do? My comment you usually want to. Yeah, they eventually became uh, Infograms. You see their name <sighs> over quite a lot of um, quite a lot of games from our era. They've done the Premier Manager games up till nineteen ninety nine. Done a few games for the Sega, Sega GT, and all that stuff. Monty on the Run. They've done that one. We've done on the, the podcast before. Same people. Hi, uh, Zoo as well. They also published Body Harvest back uh, a game we covered some time ago as well after DMA had their big falling out with Nintendo. So I'm guessing that they probably just published this one because it's not great. I think they started out developing games and then later on shifted to publishing other folks. What games. year was this game out? Uh, you might have mentioned about uh, 1988. So Royal the Rovers didn't have much of a, a shelf life past 1988. Um, oh. I, I say it was early 90s it probably it finished and then I think it had a couple of rejuvenations and graphic novels or whatever but people didn't care about Royal the Rovers by the late 80s like that was definitely ah. a 50s 50s, 60s, 70s type thing where people were reading comics and didn't have 
TV that was good or like computer games or anything <laughs> like that. Like the, so it's when, it's when people were, were were looking at comic books and that was uh, the kids' main form of entertainment. Uh, you wonder if that contributed to some of the bad reviews at the time as well. Like, it didn't it even have like a, a popular IP at the time to, to go on. From what I know about Roy the Rovers, like some of the storylines they had were quite dramatic. Like there was instances of like players getting kidnapped. I think Mick was saying like they get kidnapped by terrorists in the jungle in South America or something. You wonder why they didn't choose like, a, a scenario like that rather than just oh some of the players have gone missing because the Working pish last night. Did they not copy like Dallas as well, where somebody gets shot and then end up a dream? <laughs> transferred to like, a different team or something the next year and then appeared like with the rival team after they get shot or something. <laughs> Plenty <laughs> of good material to work with here. This could have been great. Or did, or did Dallas copy Roy of the Rovers? That's really that's a question you really should be asking. <laughs> Aye. Somebody's not always associated with my dentist. My dentist always had a Roy of the Rovers album. So I was usually shitting myself when I when I read Roy Rovers. I've not got a good affinity for it, and I just made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I like point and click games like um, we talk about my time, uh, Day of the Tentacle, love it. Sam and Max, love it. Even the ones that like, Mick played on here, like Maniac Mansion, came before it, love it. Monkey Island and all that. This is just solely lacking in any sort of intuitiveness. And even those games weren't intuitive at times, but this is just a new level for me. Possibly just shining a light on how shite are my older games. So you'd recommend it, is what you're saying? <laughs> ah, right, man. If it was Lurid on the other side, I'd be taping over this and putting something decent on it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm guessing that coming Christmas episode, this might be a spoiler for a massive fucking sprouter. We've been over this. You kind of get yourself games you've given yourself a sprouter. That's <laughs> insider trading, right? Uh, yeah, gamers are always taught a kind of game as a sprouter, so well, this one good. will not be on the list. Roy of the Rovers has managed to, to avoid being a sprout. Against all odds. Um, well, <laughs> That's a technicality. A positive aspect is I don't need to fucking think about it again. It's been hanging over my head for the last weeks, days, and I just want to get it out of the way. And now it's gone. Yes, Andy, that was an excellent point about Japanese war crimes. Oh, hello there, listener. I am awkwardly butting my way into this FIPA special because unfortunately I wasn't able to be there and record live with the lads. Um, the eagle-eared listener will know that I'm a big fan of my wee pal Smudgy the Rabbit, who unfortunately has been quite no well recently. So I had a emergency jump off the podcast and tend to my wee four-legged friend. For the sake of record, I am definitely not training McCormick's Maoist gorillas in the jungle. I am going to just come in here and just for a wee minute or two, because you don't want to listen to one fucking person talk for too long, talk a wee bit about the game I had been playing for the Fitba special, which is Striker on the Sega Mega Drive. Now, Striker is an early 90s, one of these funny kind of Amiga ports. We got a few of them on the Mega Drive. True to the name, Striker is almost entirely about scoring goals. Trying to ping one into the top corner from outside the box, setting up mad diving heaters from set pieces, beating the keeper on one-on-ones. You get this quite nice cinematic camera view when you're up and you're through on goal on striker. You find yourself watching the goal replays more often than not, although only your own. You never fucking watch it when the computer scores against you, do you? This is one of these games that I would call almost like a time-travelling game. 
to use a dynamite nediaism, Striker appeared in quite a lot of wee piles back in the day. And I didn't actually have it myself, but I'm sure like a pal had it or my cousin had it or something like that. It sort of brings you back to feelings of childhood, you know, sitting cross-legged on the flare right in front of the telly, going elbow to elbow with your pal or your cousin, shouting and bawling, goals flying in, all the rest of it. This is probably partly due to it feeling like quite a generic Fitba game. There's nothing really special about it, very typical of a kind of 90s Fitba game. The graphics are only going to blow you out the water, the gameplay is very simplistic, it takes you back, I must admit. As I was saying, big strength of the game. Goals are flying in, the goals look good, the goals feel good. Open play does not feel good. It's a bit of a fucking drag. But when that's all there is to the game, you find that it's very fast-paced as well. There's very little fucking about. Each half is only a minute long, and there's roughly a fucking goal every 10 seconds, if you're amazing like me. It's a perfect slice of old-school arcade Fitba game, especially if you've got a short attention span. Other factoids I would like to put in about Striker is for the time you could play as Welsh teams in this, it had the Welsh League, which I think is quite unusual. I can't remember getting to play as Welsh teams very much in the 90s, but in this game you can play as like Rill and Hlanelli and stuff like that. Yes, excellent pronunciation, I know. Speaking of Hlanelli, did you know that the great Jock Steen once played for them, who famously was the manager of Celtic and won them the European Cup? Celtic noted for their anti-fascist politics, including support of the Second Spanish Republic. You can still sometimes spot the odd flag in the, you know, the mere exuberant sections of the fan base to this day. And there you go, I did get the Spanish Civil War in. Striker's never going to replace Sensible Soccer as my go-to retro Fitba game. If I'm being honest, it's probably not even an Italia 90. But I had a lot of fun with this, in spite of its limitations. It's a recommendation for me if you're ever sitting up bevying with a group of pals and you fancy playing some old-school multiplayer. This one, definitely worth a couple of games of, if you're flinging something on for five minutes while you're drinking cans. They do also get bonus points for having North Korea, Cuba and Hunters are just random wee countries playable in internationals and of course Vietnam. Up the workers, see you later. Right, shall we move on then? Aye, right, okay. McCormick, you want to tell us why you picked the behemoth and beautiful, beautiful game that is Championship Manager 0102? So, I picked Champ Manager because Johnny laid down the gauntlet last year saying that I'd gotten away with being on the Fitba special and playing games that have kind of nothing to do with Fitba and the actual Fitba involved for the past two episodes. And I've done this because, you know, you guys are much more interested in football than I am. Um, I don't feel I'd really be able to fully do those games justice. But the fact that um, Johnny and Andy had both chosen quite whimsical, sort of tangential Fitba games. Mick and I thought we would kind of balance that out by picking proper games that have actual Fitba in it. And I picked a management game because I felt like it would maybe get a bit more to my sensibilities than something more action-orientated. You know, I like boring stuff with loads of fucking stats and spreadsheets and the like. Also because I had a bit of history with this game. My brother used to play it when we were growing up, he was always asking me for a game and I'd be like, no, I don't like football and all that stuff. And so I figured I should kind of 
try and redeem myself a wee bit and see what the what the fuss is all about with it. I actually showed Paul, your brother, all the cheats and all on it. Um, like the cheat how to get all the money. If you wanted to go somebody like Morton, say, you could take control of Chelsea, who just at a time, Roman Abramovich had just bought them, and they were all of a sudden the richest club in the world, and you could take all Roman Abramovich's money and pump it into Morton by buying, I don't know, Phil Ganny for £300 million. <laughs> and then putting a sign on fee of £300 million or something like that. And then you could transfer all the money, and then you could be in the first division buying the best players you can and all that stuff. But it made the game a lot more interesting for me at the time. But then I realised that it wasn't any fun because you were just winning all the time. I think when Paul discovered that, any pretense of playing this as an actual serious management game kind of went out the window. It just became like fulfilling this fantasy of like, oh, what if I could hire fucking the best players in the world to play for Celtic and that sort of thing. It was interesting seeing that because because you're in the first division, you can still only buy like, a certain calibre of player that will come to you. Yeah, I, they just want to join you anyway, even if the circumstances were terrible. It was interesting to see like, who would come to Morton if they had that much money. And it was, it was like, some you would get like fading stars, maybe. But I knew Claudio Canija, man, when he went to Dundee, things like that, and you'd be able to sign all the best players in the division. But the thing was, this is before Gretna came about, we were doing this. So Gretna kind of made it real a couple of years after that, which is strange. And it was the same sort of thing. They could only sign players that would come to their level. The, the simulation of chair manager is so good that it will kind of bring out things that may actually also happen in real life. <laughs> I'll kind of get to that. So what I thought I was going to do, this was my vision for playing chat manager. And it's chat manager 01-02, by the way, in case I haven't made, made that obvious. I've heard that's the best one, best the classic ones. It's still got a very like, sizable community as well. People say that's the best one so far, right? Aye, I, I knew I could play that and get all the kind of patches and kind of make it work in a modern computer because it's such like a dedicated fan base. I didn't touch it with any like actual mods, just just patches to make it work properly. Have another. So my idea was this: was that I was going to do a, a money ball thing, right? I was just going to see through the matrix here. I wouldn't have to know anything about football because I could just crunch the numbers in such a way. That I would completely storm this game and to cut a long story short I was humbled I was very much humbled <laughs> by champ manager so what I did here was I picked one of the only teams I have any affinity for which is St Pauli um, from the German second division obvious reasons they're cool anarchists um, skulls and crossbones are cool we had a good time in Hamburg or Ben Stag do LGBTQ affiliated as well Good, good guys, good bunch of lads. Um, so I picked these guys, um, as I say, second division of the uh, German league. And the board has got high hopes for me. They say they want to get promoted first division this year. So I've got my work cut out for me. The first thing I did was what I thought I could actually have a bit of a handle on, um, which is just the backroom stuff, um, making sure that I've got decent... Coaches, decent um, scouts, that sort of thing. How was the budget for St. Pauli? First of all, were they was it sizable? Was it like a, an Aberdeen or a Hearts where they were the best in the division? 125 grand, all I had to play with. That's for sidings and for backroom staff, your wage bill, and all that. Aye. It's not, not, not a lot, but also remember it's a 2001 2002 <laughs> chat manager, so. Uh, <laughs> It probably could get you a, a, a good. I like a couple of players if you were if you're smart and for sure. you went in for the the free transfers at the start. Now let's talk about the free transfers at the start. 
Did you use any of our guidance and go with, with any of the, the, the free transfers that were famous at the time? So I initially thought that I was going to, uh, again, use my, my brains and my skill to kind of work out this game, but I caved immediately because Johnny made some suggestions of signings. He suggested the, the legendary Terrible West as a defender. Brilliant. So I went in for him and I got maybe a bit overexcited because I blew pretty much all my budget on him. <laughs> but I thought he was going to be the saver of my team. So I hired him. Um, I got my, my scouts to work um, looking for cool prospects in like the Eastern Europe and other places where you might not have to spend a whole load of money. But as I said, since I did spend so much money on the bold Treble West, I didn't have much more room in my squad really for, for much of anyone in their wage in their wage bills, even if they were free transfer. Yeah, transfers wise I didn't do too great, but I did have that one superstar. I fired uh, a terrible scout. Um, I made sure I had coaches and scouts that had good stats. So that was all fine. And then I was hit with the the tactics, the, the choice right. of tactics Here screen. We go. This is what I'm looking for. Here's the good stuff. Wait, wait, tell us well, about well hold on. Choices. Just don't get too excited. Right. right? Because this was pure baffling to me. Like this, <laughs> this was, I had a bit of a prick war looking at the old tactics. Like, <laughs> You've got all, obviously all different lists of formations you can choose between, and then behind that, there's additional choices about the kind of passing game that you want to play, how aggressive you want to tackle, and that sort of thing, where you want your team members to be on the ball and off the ball. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, what, what do you even do with that? Like, what so, is your... so, so what did you go? Did you just go for a classic 4-4-2 that was famous at, at that time, or uh, were, you, were you trying to play a bit of Pep Guardiola stuff before it, mm-hmm. before it became famous? Well, I'd read online that four one three two was a bit of a cheat formation in this game, and I went with that, and I, I had tried some kind of variations of it as my campaign went on, but that usually formed the kind of basis, just because I didn't have enough context to like, pick a good formation to fit the team. And like, this is that I'm going to kind of come in here with like questions for you guys, because like, how would you go about picking a formation with it? change from match to match would it depend on like if you've got a strong attack or strong defence relatively to the rest of your team like do you just go with default like, what's what's going to be the, the, the options here I was properly addicted to football manager and championship manager back in the day so I've, I've now banned myself for it that was how much I, I played it so I'll start with that so I, I did get pretty good at it Aye. but it was quite formulaic well, I kind of stuck with the same formations and just like you're saying, depending on what year it was, there seemed to be like the odd formation or whatever that was seemed to be more popular than than others. So right. I don't think back in the, that one, like back Championship Manager 0102, I don't think it really mattered that much. Like you could change it and still win. Whereas like in later games, it was like your team would become accustomed to a specific style of football uh, and, okay. like, and you'd have like training in the background as well that you could set people up for group training and individual training and depending on how you were wanting to play you could make your team better by by doing specific uh, formations and sticking with it and then being accustomed to it but that being said like well, you were St Pauli so if you were winning every game in the league or doing well in the league but then you got a cup tie away for him to Bayern Munich I, I wouldn't go with like an attacking formation because they would just hammer you like you would Aye. you would you would attempt to just uh, shove as many men behind the ball and, and you did have to change it a wee bit like that um, but if you were a half decent team you could pretty much use the same formation for 90% of your season and, and not have to change too much 
Aye. So I was I'd be much the same. I kinda looked at um I would look at my defenders, right? And I would look at their statistics and see what their strength was, their positioning was. And if I realised that they weren't very skillful and they were just good at fucking heeding the ball away, right? And then I would look at I would look for people that could tackle, good good positioning and didn't necessarily have much flair. Um in my midfield again, I looked for the basics. I wanted on my team to do the basics. So I d I didn't care about flair that much. Didn't care much about agility and all that, and um, even speed to a certain extent. I didn't care about. I just cared about uh, the the basics essentially: passing, maybe shooting, finishing, um, strength, um, bravery. And you had one set piece to one set piece. Some somebody, somebody had a seventeen in set pieces. Aye, and then you want somebody about that as well for influence for your captain as well. I would usually have one set formation for home games and one for away games. Ah, so, okay. So I would have like in chat manager. There's a thing that this at home advantage is a thing in chat manager. The <laughs> players tend to play better at home. During the week you can set a training up. I don't know if you could date in one or two, but during the week you set a training up. If you're playing away for him and you're going to be more defensive and you're going to be playing at five at the back with two fullbacks running forward, then you can train your team to focus on positioning more and maybe focus on long balls more, like cross field balls and stuff. Whereas if you're playing at home against maybe a team that's lower than you, you can focus on short passing, you can focus more on like um, zonal marking, um, things like that, kind of things that take a bit more like thinking, essentially. But essentially I would always look for my teams to just do the basics, um, so the two clear formations. And then if you're playing a team, as Johnny said, if, you get, if you're getting Bayern Munich in a cup, you've got a away formation to play, even at home, because they're a better opposition. So you could use that away formation that your team are familiar with, at home for bigger teams as well. Right, okay. You would be looking at agility, flair, speed, um, the, the fancy attributes. The fundamentals is to get the attributes that matter, the basics first, and then maybe same one or two players that have standouts and them sort of luxury attributes. Aye. So, aye, so this all makes sense, right? So I think maybe what I've been doing just in general in this has been overthinking, specifically with tactics. If you're saying you can maybe have like one or two that you focus on based on like more about how good the team you're playing is more so than like what formation they're playing because you can scout you can ask your scout to to check out the opposition team and they'll tell you some things about them but yeah maybe don't just change up the formation to try and counter them so much as just just focus on whether you want to be defensive or aggressive so going forward for the for the tactics that was one thing that was fairly baffling and the other is just the the wealth of statistics that each player has um, so I know I like to talk about playing games that have getting numbers and complicated systems and stuff like that but if you talk about like a role playing game like a Final Fantasy or like a, a Baldur's Gate or something like that you probably get a, a team of four guys say and they've got seven stats like charisma strength and all this stuff in Champ Manager you have got 11 players in your squad and whoever you've got in reserve and you're on the bench and they each have about Somewhat like 20 stats. 32. 30, 32 stats, right? And, and is that just the visible ones? Because there are hidden stats that you don't see, but they're also Aye. hacking through the game code, have, have, have realised. They're all variable as well, so they all go up and down depending on things like training, age, uh, performance, morale, yeah. conditioning. But they... Is there a lot of hidden, like, you know, like there's certain players in this game that are like champ manager legends that people higher is that because they have particularly good stats and they're cheap or is it because like they will grow into being a better player over time 
so there's one stat again I'm not I can't tell you if it was on 0102 but I think it maybe was like there's ones that was like potential and stuff like that so like there was Aye. ones like how people's stats would grow and then I, I imagine there is ones like there's certain players that are probably hard coded to act in certain ways like for instance you signed Terebo West Terebo West in that game would pretty much sign for anybody <laughs> like, uh, uh, but but Teribo West was in Nigeria, like an international football player who played at World Cups, and that like mm. he w- he wouldn't just go and sign for Albion Rovers, but in that game, <laughs> he, he he would. I imagine there are sometimes those 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 we we outliers, but I think generally speaking, yeah, I think the, the the stats you've got there, how they do the the numbers crunching in the background to determine who wins and who loses and who. Does scores the most goals and stuff like that. Like I'm not 100 percent sure on the maths of it all. In the games following this one, they brought in a, a youth team mechanic where you could bring through. That's youth in teams. this as well. And, well, kinda. And the whole point is the the better your setup, coaching, um, youth coaching, um, the better your tactics, the better your coaches are. Um, then maybe you can increase their potential. So let's just say it's a five star system, right? So let's just say Jamie Curtin at, Wed- at Reading. I don't know why he popped in at my head. Let's just say he's got a potential of three, but it could possibly stretch to four or three and a half with the right training. So if he fulfills his complete potential, he's only going to be three. But if you bring in the right youth coach, there's a, even like a dark, like a kind of grey bit of potential that you could fill out if he gets it right. Aye, I get you. Aye. And then also you could sign a, a player from Japan and they could have great stats, but if you've got any other people in your club that like speak Japanese that, that, that speak Japanese or played in Japan or whatever, then their stats will actually get done because they feel homesick or whatever. Aye, which is yeah. when when you think about it for like a game that's meant to be so simple, it's like there's not loads of graphics and stuff that's going to wow you. There's an immense amount of detail that gets put into a game like that, and and that's why it's still so popular now. Like I think even this. Last year's one, they sold more copies than they ever had for for any any version of this game, and it's been going Aye. for twenty better a year. Like, so Same game every year. Aye. it's pretty incredible. You're only seeing on the surface, like I mean, there's only a couple of menus that you can go through, and there's no there's no like proper graphics to speak of. Um, but you can just tell that there's like this incredibly advanced simulation going on in the background. So the part that was kind of I, I got. The notion that, you know, for each particular position you're playing in, you've probably got certain stats that you've got to focus on for those particular players. So I chose my squad based on that. But you play a, a match and you don't actually, let's see, any graphical representation of what's happening in the match. It's like events kind of happen and it will mm. come up as a wee, te- a wee sentence to say what's happened. This player passes to this player, somebody goes for the header, he misses, that sort of thing. And you get a stream of these, um, and that's the kind of explanation of the match. And basically, I kept losing um, quite a lot. But I could glean a few bit of tactical kind of things from a um, from a match. I knew that Terebo West was doing very well. I knew that defenders could very rarely get past them. But for other things, I don't. I just didn't really know why I kept. <laughs> I kept losing I kept getting goals past me there's two parts to your match screen there's obviously the main bit there's possession can... as well yeah that's Aye. a wee bar that moves along there is if you click at the top you see match stats and action zones Aye. so match stats will tell you like um, 
where you're dis- where you're getting dispossessed the most. Um, sorry, no, sorry, that's a lot of rubbish. The action zones will show you where they're getting dispossessed as much. Um, where they're getting dispossessed on the pitch, where most of their um, attacking players coming is it on the left flank or right flank? Are they hitting a long balls for their defence? No, hold on. Is this in this version of the game? Action zones are pretty sure it's there. I think so. I think, I think it was. I am not too sure. Because I remember like seeing um uh, seeing like sort of how much possession was happening in each of the three sort of in the middle and the two sides of the pitch. I definitely seen that, but I'm not sure if there was more to it than that. So I think you get match overview, match stats, action zones, and match report for the old chart managers. And then at the bottom, you've got the stats for the player ratings, the scores, and the league table, and that. I think the top ones what you're looking for, the top one shows you how many shots each team have had, how many sending arse and bookings. It will show you things like um, rates, of, who's in their corners, uh, free kicks, set pieces, um, offsides, that type of thing. And action zones will show you like, just hot spots on a, a pitch that, you're, right. um, that, that you need to correct on your tactics. And, and that's when you can use your tactics to sort of say, right, if this is all coming down the left-hand side, maybe I need to look at my left winger or my left centre-half. Um, are they maybe injured? Are they maybe got a bad morale just now? Um, have they had a run of games where they're not performing? Do I need to substitute them? Type of things like that, you know. They're losing a goal because we free heaters every week. Is it because your central defender's too small? You know, um, <laughs> things like that. Th- this is exactly what I needed, and I kind of wish I'd had this conversation a week or two ago, right? <laughs> because I-, I wasn't making the connection between the stats of my players and what was actually happening on the field. Like, I was kind of wishing that I could basically go back through the match report and kind of debug it, like I would debug code. So to basically say, like, okay, why did I lose this challenge? You know, why did the ball get past me here? What were some of the numbers and that behind it? And I guess from what you're saying is that you can actually see that if you know where to look. It's it's amazing that like both of you could have had a, such a better time with both your games if you would have just spoke to each other. <laughs> <laughs> My adventure game knowledge and these tactical knowledge could have been a, a winning character. I, I'll actually show you on the player's profile. Like, see when a tribute has changed recently? It'll show you a red arrow pointing down the way. So let's just say he's stamina. Let's just say you've got a 36-year-old player as your star player and his stamina's at 12. It might have dropped to 10 and that's why he's not able to play after that 75th minute and that's why you might lose a goal, you know, because he just can't keep up with the pace. Yeah, I never, I never seen this at all. Like, I was looking at the stats, but maybe I was, I was more looking towards the start when I was like deciding how, who I was going to play where and that sort of thing. How far did you get in in a season and, and where did you finish up in the league? Um, well, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm embarrassed to say here, right? But I was I was fired by Christmas. <laughs> I was bo- I was bottom of the league, and yeah, I had some a couple of quite stinking defeats, and yeah, basically the board weren't happy with me, and I get I get chucked out for Christmas. I still I still don't know like. <laughs> How I was that bad at it? I don't know if I've been sabotaged here. I have the feeling that maybe Mick McMenemy was playing a trick on me and telling me some bad tactical advice or something for a <laughs> laugh. But like, I didn't make that many changes, but I was completely defeated. Maybe I'll go back and do a bit of a post-mortem and figure out maybe my stats have like fallen like to zero for every player or something. Can you think of any other computer game in the world where you can end up unemployed or just don't have a purpose, potentially? <laughs> as <laughs> Yeah, because there's no game over. Like you no, just I, you can still you can still just watch unemployed 
You can go to like the African Cup of Nations and just watch games for a year. <laughs> <laughs> just, you're just this mad nutcase living out in the savannah. <laughs> he comes in and watches watches games every once in a while. And this whole world is going on about you, right? It's mad. But Mick, you might have had a dressing room mutiny. That happens in new ones where if uh, you, they don't like your tactics or something and if they don't think you've got enough experience, they'll just they'll go have a mutiny against you. I definitely had a fan mutiny because it kept coming up saying there was um there was supporters angrily outside my house and that. I thought I was going to get a game over, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> no, well, it's a it's a results driven business, man, and unfortunately, <laughs> you found out the hard way, like many other managers have over the years. I just think, imagine in the, the new uh, football manager games, there's probably instances now where you'll get bought over by like a Saudi prince. Ah, <laughs> yeah, it's coming, isn't it? It's coming. <laughs> Same there and we're coming, and then you it's get coming. an injection of cash. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely coming. Um, I remember it was a novelty, man, when the like, Premier League teams started getting these crazy owners and with loads of money, but now it's just standard in the Premier League. Right, know? and it's exactly. amazing how much they've kind of updated these games like the times as well. I mean, what I want to know is, like, has the user interface gotten better over the years? Like, I, I know I'm probably missing things, the user interface, but, like, that was the what I was really wanting, was, like, to just more information, like, you know, how the match is going how your players are doing, if your training's effective and all that stuff. Like, has that kept pace with how complex the, the game becomes? Yeah. Do, do you always feel like you've got enough information to work with or are things just happening? There's, like, an absolute influx of extra information as it's went on. It's still kind of, like, by and large, it's still got the same kind of vibe to it. Yeah, you can still tell what it is, but... But yeah, there's there's so much more that comes in, so many more reports and stuff for training, so many more like scouting reports and that you get in stuff from match analysis and stuff like that. And uh, uh, you've got to like do interviews with the media, you've got to, you've got to chat to your players and stuff like that and make sure that they're happy. Like it becomes uh, so much more. I, f- I found in the old Championship Manager Little 102, I like them games more because I could fly through a season I, and, yeah, and yeah. just uh, like the. But no, like, you've got to spend some serious amount of time if you want to do it properly and win. <laughs> I, I know this seems like a, a daft comparison. I mentioned it last year as well, but, like, Crusader Kings 3 is a, a game with loads of numbers in a big map. And also kind of like Chat Manager, if you want, you can just watch. You can just watch the fucking medieval Europe just doing its thing. But in that game, it's kind of real time, but you can, like, fast forward or you can slow down and it only pops up when there's something that actually needs your attention. Like, I kind of could have done uh, with that right, in this yeah. game as well because like there was some days where you would just click through and click through and like, nothing would really be happening you just wanted to get to your next game you know what's really interesting about this game you, you asked if like um, is there any like, major alterations every year and the answer is not really maybe every three years you get a major change but it develops over years so things like the transfer system make it more intricate or offering things like appearance bonuses and like um, I don't know, you could even play the agent a bit more to come and, and like only have an interview with, with, with you instead of going around and having interviews with everybody, things like that. The, the main update I can remember since I've played it is the match engine. And it's a strange thing. The match engine, right? You know how the games and the one you played, McCormick, goes like a graphical novel? Well, not a graphical novel, Aye. but like a, it just comes up like one event after another. The 3D engine, game engine, is built around that. That controls the actual 3D movement. So the, 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 the engine isn't it saying that sort of thing like it was in Prima Major. It's actually just that, but Aye, a 3D that representation. Sense. It. It's a kind of 
a design pattern in, in software where you've got the, the model, which is like what's actually happening, and then you've got a view on top of it, which is just like a representation of it. Mm-hmm. So it means that you don't have to change the underlying rules of the, the simulation, which they've obviously been working on and iterating on over years and years. They've really just changed like the visuals that sit on top of it. Oh, that's quite interesting. That 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 is usually um, the, the whole the widest criticism of football manager games um, is what I'm doing behind the scenes affecting what's happening on the pitch. And a lot of occasions um, in games, no, it's not because the three D the three D match engine is being built completely separately from the yeah. database, so it's hard to merge these two. Whereas this um, system here is actually built into a database. It's the database is actually controlling what's happening on the pitch rather than this separate entity. Um, Aye, but also being, probably if you're expecting it to look like FIFA or to be as fluid as that, then you might be disappointed. Absolutely, aye, aye, aye. There is that. But um, it, is, it's, it means that if you make a change in, in your database, in your game, in your save, then it's going to be reflected on a... Your, your action, is, you're going to be able to see that reflected in a game. And that that's fucking blows my mind. That I think that's brilliant um, because I used to play games like remember when Football Manager, um, Championship Manager changed to Football Manager, and Championship Manager was released by IDOS um, yep. by new developers. They tried that, and uh, it was just that's what it was. It was just a separate three D engine that didn't reflect what you were doing in a game, and that just kills the point, didn't it? Because at the end of the day, you just toss a coin in. Speaking of like football games and and like changing name as well like you make a good point on it changing from when when IDOS and uh, I can't remember who the other company was but they fell out with each other and IDOS just had the, the IP for it but can you think in like other game franchises that have just changed name so successfully like and seamlessly and not lost any of its like oeuvre a wee bit I know you've had the like ISS move to to being pro Evo and stuff like that but then even recently FIFA FIFA's just yeah. now became FC or something I don't know the, which is which is a bit odd but I guess they've probably done it because FIFA are baddies um, and there's a lot of controversy FIFA, there FIFA will come back as you said it'll be a similar situation to Football Manager right? um, they'll come back and it'll be a different developer no, it would be fucking mental see if Konami bought FIFA rights and then released a fucking Pro Evo game under the FIFA banner yeah well, that, well that's the thing possible. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always loved DSS and Pro Evo, but I, I feel like now it's, it, it's kind of lost it. I it's kind of lost I wee bit. They, they, whereas FIFA, I also kind of hate it because they've went too far and it's just now loads of mad weirdos online shouting and balling each other. And I like the the solitude, the solitaire that is Champ Manager or One O Two. Mhm. Yeah. I have really missed playing single player football games, um, but. It's just doesn't give you the option. It's just not fun anymore. The Master League was brilliant. I didn't need to fuck about with it. And it's gone now, man. So I guess to, to wrap things up, you know they say it takes a village to raise a child. I think it takes a village <laughs> to raise a, a championship manager. Um, I could day away, you know, probably um, Johnny and Andy helping me on my signings. Mick McMenemy and Dunning helping me in my tactics. Mick Clogarty helping me to figure out uh, which team would have voted which way during the Russian Revolution? Um, that kind of thing. I didn't really have that playing this game. The Collier brothers who programmed this game done it together in a basement in the early nineties. Um, just hobbyists, man. And look at what it's fucking done, isn't it? Two guys, man. Two guys. <laughs> Start with us. 
they talk about that dwarf fortress that's got the same kind of thing two guys making this most incredibly complicated um, simulation and then ended up selling the rights for like millions and millions of pounds similar they'd never talk about chat manager in the same way do you know what we discussed this the last time as well see Rangers manager like Mick Beale see him and like other um, coaches they get their jobs through playing chat manager there's a guy in is it the French league or the Belgian league ginger haired guy English guy he got a job because he's chat manager experience well it lasted longer than Michael Beale this season so take that away at least aye <laughs> <laughs> hmm. uh, it's people are doing scouting through chat manager teams are looking at chat manager to see what potential signings down the line it's I mean it's, the game is becoming self aware isn't it <laughs> Yeah, impressive stuff, but um, I think I, I need a, a lot more, a lot more practice before I can properly engage with it. I think. Yeah, so, so not not really a recommend from from you. Not not for if you're like me, probably not. But if if you're willing to spend the time with it, as I'm saying, I'm sure it'll be as rewarding as um, it has been for for you guys and many other people. No one is like you, so. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point? Eh? Why are we doing this? Have we managed to get through this whole review without? Um, Telling that lie that we watch cup finals in my pants. <laughs> and I shut and die. Right. So, shall we take a, a brief interlude here? Because Johnny's got a, a feature for us. Um, yes. Since we're not, since we've not got Mick with us this week. Usually, when I come on to this podcast, I come along with a gift for, for the, the, the guys. So, um, it was a, a big sprite, was uh, the, the first one. And then <laughs> I had a, a, a tube of, I think it was Anisol, which uh, Michael McCormick won. That was for his, uh, his, wee, his wee piles. Um, <laughs> but because we're doing this uh, all remotely today, I, I couldn't bring along a gift. So, I thought I'll, I'll bring along something else that's just a, a, a wee curiosity and I was thinking to myself to go along with the FIPA theme like if I was to pick a five-a-side FIPA team but solely consisting of computer game characters who would I pick so I was thinking like a goalkeeper a defender a couple of midfielders and a forward so I've come up with a wee list of of people and I I said to the guys if they wanted to do the same so who wants to go first on either giving me their five and and why or, or giving me some of them so on my list here, I'm going to start going for the back to the front. In goal, I've got somebody that um, Andy's going to have some horrible memories about. Is Glover? Oh, for uh, a brainer. He's literally a giant fucking disembodied glove. Andy <laughs> can catch a fit, but it's him. Genius. My two midfielders slash wingers. You need somebody that's very fast that can run up and do the pitch. Of course, who else but Sonic and Shadow blasting up and doing the wing? <laughs> They don't have to be particularly near each other because I know they don't like each other. But as long as one's on the left and one's on the right, probably be happy. And then for my... Oh, sorry, I missed that. I said I was going to go back front. Uh, I missed my defender. Um, the defender of the light stream and the planet is Barrett. You know, he's got the, the heart and soul of a defender. He's a big bulky guy. I think he's really going to let in past them. And finally, my striker from Castlevania Symphony of the Night is Alucard. The reason I've picked Alicard here is because he's very fast and agile. He's got a lot, of, a lot of moves. He's got a good finish on him, but um, more so because I know that some of the best strikers are just very vain. They mm. are Christian Ronaldo's and stuff. You know, massive personalities, massive egos. I think if you look at Alicard's fashion sense and his hair, you can tell that he, he has a big high view of himself. So yeah, he's going to be my star striker and he's going to cost an absolute fortune. Some good choices in there. I, I mean, I especially like Glover. That is a, 
an inspired choice, and I, I, I think that's <laughs> going to be hard to beat in the the goalkeeper uh, position for many of us. <laughs> Andy, do you want to go next, I, and then I'll, I'll do mine since I had more time to think of mine. I guess. What? So I went for Trouble Brewing from Dynamite Heady and Goal because I couldn't think of any other cat characters, and I thought, right, a goalkeeper's <laughs> got to have good agility. Um, <laughs> so I went for him and Goal. Um, in defence, I've went for my captain Bill Gray. For Lilith was. Oh, oh he's he's defending fucking Lilith's sister for destruction. I seen it all. He's been everywhere. He's won a European Cup a few times, the Lilith Cup. Um <laughs> and he knows how to show the defence. So he was sitting in there. I went for Waka to play alongside him with Blitzball fame from Final Fantasy Ten. Hopefully his skills can transfer to a different sport for a different universe. I think that uh, he'd, be, he'd be good at the long balls, you know, they're good at kicking them long balls, aren't they, in Blitzball? <laughs> a wee one right over the defence, and next to Bill Gray, I think the two of them would put it formidable. In the middle, I've went for a championship manager player, um, one of the ones we're talking about, Mick, the hallowed ones that are legendary, I went for Falkirk's Mark Kerr. <laughs> I put a bid in for Mark Kerr and he, he went to fucking Airdrie or something, no, Hibs, he went to Hibs. Aye, aye, he's he's a great player. He could slot in any midfield and championship manager, and he would win. He would be the best player on the park most of the games. If we play him, in, then he'd go on to be like a fucking European Cup winner, UEFA Cup winners, in Premier League, whatever it was at the time. Serie A, he'd win it all. Great player, man, brilliant, and he's my midfielder. So I'm only allowing this right if you're specifically picking the video game simulated version of Mark Kerr and not the real life version of him. If this was a real life Mark Kerr, I think he went to Air United and then the dizzy heights his career was spent at Dundee United. So it's definitely <laughs> not him. What could have been? Yeah. <laughs> I went for up front, there's a bit in Shemu, right? Where a baddie... <laughs> <laughs> a baddie kind of looks like Roger Klotz at a dog is like winding up this wee guy and taking his chocolate bar off him and he takes his ball off him right and real Hazuki walks down and goes oh what you doing there that wee boy and the baddie turns around and goes yeah you fucker and he throws the ball at him and real Hazuki does a fucking half volley right boom QTE and smacks it off Roger Klotz's head and I just think he'd be good up front man I think a few M volleys would be able to beat any defence so <laughs> that's my team See, before I come up with this idea, I was going to come in with uh, Dynamite Neddy Binger cards for everybody, and uh, you talking about Shenmue was definitely going to be on there as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've not ticked off Japanese war crimes yet, but it's, it's got to be coming. Well, I'll no, be easy. Um, <laughs> I'll give you, give you my five. I mean, it's me who came up with it, so I had a bit more time to think about it. For Ingo, I've went with Rayman. I just, oh, yeah, yeah. you've had a similar idea to me here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, he's he's got two gloves, but uh, also he's just like I, all the body parts that he can have flying about to save it. His uh, agility oh, is going to be great. I just one, thought, yes. I just thought, if any, if there's a cartoon character that's going to be in good and goal, it's, it's Rayman. Um, in defence, I wanted, I wanted an enforcer. I wanted somebody that was just going to be like an old school centre back, just pure solid. So I've went Zangief, just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and. The time when he was uh, created, Russia were not a bad team, so I thought um, I thought he'd have been a football fan. I thought he'd have enjoyed it. I've got a defensive midfielder that I'm going to leave till last because he's my favourite of my, all my picks. But I actually picked Sonic as well um, for the same reason that McCormick picked it. So just for the pace element purely. No brainer. And my, my, my striker, I've went with Agent 47 for Hatman. 
<laughs> the finish on him is unparalleled. Exactly. He does not miss a target. I mean, he's he's, he's always on point. So I've went for Agent 47. Um, he's always where he needs to be. But my defensive midfielder, and this is, this is my star player that I've chosen after much, much thought, I've went for Steve for Minecraft. Right. <laughs> what you thinking here? Uh, pretty much purely on the pun that he puts uh, blocks in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the winner for that. <laughs> but no, I think he's uh, he's both done well. I think uh, there was some. I think between the three teams, we we could have picked uh, a pretty formidable five that, that would have uh, beat anybody else's teams. So no, thank you for. Uh, Indulging in my, my weird wee, wee game for for this episode since we were missing Mick and listeners, if you have um, if you have any suggestions for your own five aside teams based on video games players, feel free to let us know and we'll judge them and we'll judge you. I kind of want to change my keeper to Dalsim now. I like your thinking about it. Aye, no bother, man. Right, okay. Go move on to our final game then, Johnny. Why don't you tell us why you chose the Hurricanes for the Mega Drive? The last couple of times I've been on. Here has been for the FIPA specials. I've been promised a Minson Totties episode at some point soon, but but uh, I have had pretty just basic normal FIPA games, which has been fine because I love FIPA games. But I just decided that this year I wanted something a wee bit different. So I found that there was a SNES game of the Hurricanes, the classic uh, STV cartoon, which followed uh, a group of football players that played for the Hurricanes, funnily enough, and they just kind of toured the world, it seems, uh, playing against their rivals, uh, who were the Holocaust Gorgons. They just went about the world playing them and getting up to weird hijinks. Um, their team was, or the, the Hurricanes team was kind of multicultural. Uh, they had uh, players from all over the world. You couldn't say this was a Scottish team, this was an English team. This was a French team. They just had all these different players and uh, it was quite a popular game uh, during our childhood, I think. Gar- the Garkos team are from some unnamed island. Well, they're from the island of Garkos, am I right? Yeah, but they are, I think like uh, their manager is Garkos as well and they are. I think he's meant to be a kind of sleazy Greek guy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very multicultural show but also played into some sort of... St- Weird stereotypes as well. Peter Andre. Remember, this is an early 90s thing. Um, <laughs> there is a few right on the nose uh, cultural things that are coming <laughs> out here. For instance, there, there's one player, he's actually a Brazilian player, his name's Plato Canones. He plays for the Hurricanes and he um, <laughs> hangs about with uh, a monkey called Topper. Right. But Plato is one of the only black guys on the team and he plays with no shoes so it's uh, it's a wee bit weird um, I like so. the name though because that's a riff on uh, the other famous player Socrates yes so this is sounds a bit similar to um, Royal Rovers but maybe a our generation yeah I, I mean it's a great cartoon for those that remember it was a, a good laugh and I think most people remember it mainly for its awesome theme tune which I guess will be input here Hurricane, a champion spirit is here to stay. Will the hurricane, a champion spirit is here to stay. Will the hurricane, a champion spirit is here to stay. Will the hurricane, a champion spirit is here to stay. Will the hurricane, a champion spirit is here to stay. Will
inherit to the team in the World Soccer League, the Bird Games! great song and it's a magic song you know I remember the Hurricanes been on um, after school it was a CITV thing it used to be Neil Buchanan would do the voiceovers Art Attack Zap and all that and this would be one of them and uh, I remember watching it and thinking this is so cool having a fucking football game I couldn't remember much about it I did remember that there was a character that was based on Celtic legend Jock Steen called... <laughs> we discussed this last week Mick was very sceptical but then we researched that uh, after the episode finishes, like, no, you're actually bang on the money here. Hundred percent, like, so it's Jock Stone, yeah. So, but he, he has just this angry, angry Scottish manager. Like, I don't know what the like. Yes, it was on STV, but like, the show was actually made by like a Canadian company. It was also on like the, a Welsh channel, that S4C or whatever the Welsh STV is, and it was on in Canada as well. But also, like. This this show had a twenty six million pound budget um, from looking into it, and they were they were actually like financed by a company called Silvio Berlusconi Coms, and it was Silvio <laughs> Berlusconi that paid <laughs> millions of pounds to get this show on a TV. Like I don't know, I don't know what he was doing, but yeah, what a collaboration <laughs> from Canada, to Italy to Scotland via one of the most. Corrupt politicians of modern history. Yeah, I think it was before he was in politics. I think he had this comms company that had like TV and advertising and, and stuff like that. So and uh, radio in Italy. But yeah, I don't know what the, the thoughts was here. Um, maybe I guess football was very popular here, but I guess they were trying to get into North America with it as well, and it might have been on the rise or something. They had some sort of figures that said that they would be able to make money in Canada. But yeah, but there's there's, there's also very definitely like. With the Jock Stone, there's definitely like Scottish themes to it, and there's like a team in it called Inverfin and Celtics, aye, aye. which is which there's an episode where they go and, and they go to Scotland and they play that team, and it's meant to be like a mix between Inverness, Cali Thistle, and Celtic. <laughs> but also, there's a, like the monkey, like I said, his name's Topper, which is a kind of Scottish word, and then there's also there's a guy in it who's he's actually an, an English player in it, but his name's Napper Thompson. But and reading up about the game, it turns out he was actually based off of a, a football player that played for Dundee in like the sixties called David Thompson, whose nickname was also Napper. Really? Um, so so yeah, so there's somebody in the background is Scottish and probably a Dundee fan. Aye. Yeah, it's not Makes really sense. clear to me like what all the different involvement for the different countries and companies were on this. Like if it was written by Scottish people or if it was animated by Canadians or whatever. Interesting to find out. Yeah, it was it was definitely odd, but I mean it it was a cool show, good good animation. That very early to mid nineties, really colourful, really really cool animation that that you got at that time. Does the game stand up? So yeah, that's what I was leading on. Like they managed to translate pretty successfully the kind of colour, the vibe, the look of the TV show into like again like a colourful platforming computer game with a wee guy kicking a football what I would say like like games of that era pretty infuriating at times <laughs> thankfully I'm emulating it so I'm not just 
beholden to the, the three lives that are, that are given um, because otherwise I would have got to like level two. It's a fairly substantial game, 15 stages there is, which for some reason you start at somewhere called Hispaniola Island for the first three or four levels. That's actually where the Hurricanes are, are based. Yeah, but like I was asking, I think, Clockery about that the other day, like where, where is Hispaniola Island? Does that mean that they're a Spanish team? Hispaniola was the name of the boat in Treasure Island. Ah. It's in the Dominican Republic. Well, it's an island in Hafe. It's the Dominican Republic in Hafe. It's Haiti. That would maybe kind of make sense because I was very confused about it because I was like, Hispaniola Island at some sort of Spanish-speaking place, um, which I guess they are. But also, you're going to boot with a boat, which is essentially like kind of similar to what you had, was it last year when you had the David Beckham game? Yeah, yeah, it's like that. You use the ball to attack. There's not anywhere near as much like physics around the ball, um, no. but yeah, the concept is very similar. Con- concept's the same, but but yeah, the ball is very much more like on a, a yo-yo string or like an elastic right. string, so you can't do like, whereas in, in the uh, Beckham game, you could like kick the ball away and then you could run about and do stuff like for a while before the ball come back. This time, like the ball just comes back to you. Remember them boys you could get, you tie them to your leg, a string, and just keeps coming back to you so you can keep doing, keep you up to it. Were they not like an attachment on bull boy shoes? <laughs> I think so. I think we discussed this on a previous podcast. I, I think we did. I think I maybe sang the song when I was a couple of cans down. Um, <laughs> these first levels, they're pretty good. They're quite big. They're quite long, the levels I found. like Yeah, but I think they're also quite same like look like I don't think there's much differentiation in the difficulty from like for that area. So like like I say, the first four stages is Hispaniola and you've got island, lagoon, airport and jungle where you're just kinda of wandering about and instead of like attacking the Gorgons, which would maybe make sense considering the whole premise of the game is that the <laughs> the, 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 the Gorgons have challenged you to a match and you've got to get to the pitch in time or else you forfeit the match. Which is, I guess, a bit of a weak, uh, like pretense, and that, like, oh, if you don't make it, uh, you just forfeit. It's not like anything bad's going to happen. You just don't play the game. You don't play a charity match. <laughs> but like, instead of going and attacking them, you're up against like scorpions and snakes and animals that are like kicking about trying to take a ball off you. Um, the kind of local <laughs> fauna of the island. I, I only played up to the airport because I couldn't figure out how to beat the guy in the helicopter. But <laughs> yeah, there are some wee guys as well. I don't know if they're meant to be like natives of the island or if they're meant to be higher by the team to fucking take you out because they've got guns. They're referees. Like those referees that just run at you. <laughs> I didn't know that. I also liked when you fall doing a, a bottomless pit, which you'll do a lot in this game because there's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, you get a wee referee that appears just to levitate so on this wee flown platform and it gives you a yellow card. And then if you've lost all your lives, you get a red card. But it was quite a nice touch. I quite, I, quite, I quite like how there's wee bits of skill in the ball. Like with the boss, you've got to time the ball, chip it right to, to hit him in the heat. Otherwise, it will just hit the front of your ship on one of the bosses. Or like you've got, if a ball gets flung at you, you can volley it if you time it right. Things like that. I quite like that. I think the ball bounces quite well as well. I've seen that. I've seen football games with a lot worse moving balls. Yeah, it works pretty well. The levels are difficult enough that they're like challenging, but I feel like there should be more lives at the start let's say like the version <laughs> I've played has got three lives and then now and again you've, you you like kick the ball out boxes and like chests and and sometimes you'll get stuff in it sometimes it will be an extra life but most of the time like there's a, there's some of the, the, the kind of animals and the fauna and weird like plants that try to 
beat you and things like that. Like that you just you just kinda get past them without taking a hit. I'm all for like learning the, the patterns for each uh, each body and each individual obstacle that you've got. But there's some of them that you just physically that there's no pattern pattern. Like you have to go past that bit and you will take a hit on it. That kinda annoys me a wee bit, but that annoys me in many games and not just this one. Or maybe I'm just shit at it who knows there's a certain vibe of this game that i've noticed out after playing like many games for this podcast there's a kind of a certain vibe of like a, a mid-tier sega mega drive platform game and i'm thinking of like the mcdonald's one that we played or yeah tiny tune adventures that's actually maybe a wee bit better than this um and especially I forgot the name of it now, but you know, Andy, the one where you go, the wee elephant, and then there's all different animals that stack up Aye. on top of you. Robo. Aye. In terms of like, the levels, they all seem to start in a jungle. They're all kind of too high, like, too vertical, more so than they need to be. They've all got this type of plinky-plonky music, which I watched a YouTube video about, about there's a certain software package that American and Western developers used to make music for Mega Drive games, and if you're not good at that software, you just use the default instruments. And now I've been cursed with that knowledge. Whenever I hear them, I recognise it right away, and it just puts me right off. <laughs> I don't know. You'll probably know what we're talking about if you play this game. <laughs> we've, we've covered similar ones in the past, for sure. Yeah, I, and I mean, you mentioned the McDonald's game. It was me that selected that as well, so maybe it's just a, a cost of me picking the... <laughs> You've got a type here. I, I'm, I'm writing it like really weird, obscure 90s platformers. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think Andy's the same. He's a platformer guy. <laughs> he just he just likes them a bit faster paced than me. This this one is um, is a platformer game, but you have to kind of take your time. There is a timer on it, but it's yeah, a decent amount of time, and you have to at some points go a wee bit slower just so that you can take out some of the enemies or kick the ball like lob it up to somebody that's up higher than you or whatever and, and take them out and stuff like that so so it's not something that you can just speed run through I, I, I'm Aye. sure there's people here that, that, that do but I just I, I don't see how you could in this there's, there's just a, the extra variable of the ball that, that means, makes speed running would be really hard The levels have a bit of navigation involved as well, you can't really go for left and right there's a lot of kind yeah. of going back and up yeah. the way and kind of um, platforming like vertical and horizontal platforming as well yeah, it can be a bit confusing at first, but you've just got to realise that that's the speed you're, you're going at. You're not playing a Sonic. Aye. It is one of them games where it's like a big, massive square room. And you're not moving from one side to another. It's not about a lengthy level. It's just like a big square. You've got, to get through it. you've got to navigate to the other end of the square by going up and over rather than just straight over. Yeah. Makes any sense. Exactly. And and once you get to the end of that area, I mean, you, you will always get... A boss again, like I think, like this. Although I said they had like a lot of budget for the the show and stuff like that, I don't know if the, the budget for the game was quite the same from from Silvio Berlusconi's mob. Um, <laughs> I think I think they've just been piggybacking as is the, the the way of the time. Was popular, cool. Let's churn out a game. You you need to have this game out in X number of months or whatever. I think there's a bit of that it as well because because when you're playing the bosses, the bosses tend to be the same a couple of times over but with just slightly different mechanics as well. One question I had for this game was you get your choice of the kind of lovely diverse 90s um, Captain Planet team or Burger King team collection of characters but do they actually play different in any way? Have they got different speed and 
power and that sort of thing. I didn't notice much difference, did you? So the SNES version that I played, it only had the two characters. I've seen there was a version that had more, but like the one that I played only had Cal Casey, who's the captain of the Hurricanes. Uh, he's the, the blonde guy with the big chiseled features and the giant chin. <laughs> or uh, Napper Thompson, who was the, what I say, the, the kind of Scottish guy with a big head. I didn't notice really any difference Like when, when I played. As them, like, there was a button you could press which done like a kind of couple of keep you ups and then like a volley, like a wee kind of special move. Which I'll be honest, it took too long and I never used it at all in anger in the game. Um, and then the, that was for Cal Casey. Napper done something slightly different, but equally as time consuming. And I just could never find like an occasion where you could spend time to do five keep you ups and then volley at an, an enemy before they got to you. So, <laughs> they just realised this nested one more button on the pad than the Mega Drive so they had to find some sort of use for it. Yeah, exactly. But no, they didn't make any, any real difference. I didn't notice any speed difference. Uh, I know what you're thinking, Andy. How was the jump? Like, their, their jumps was the same. Just about to ask. <laughs> but um, it's a valid question on uh, for, for the Neddy fans out there. Like, And, and how, how did this game rate and, and the jumping scheme? It was a bit troublesome, especially when you had the ball. If you'd like kicked the ball and then jumped, then not as bad you could you seem to be able to get further but if you had the ball then uh, sometimes you were falling down the, the chasms and into the brainy deep if there was a water on the level and stuff like that so <laughs> and then getting a, a red card that had insult to injury yeah exactly but no all in all like I, I i did actually really enjoy the game i thought it was like fun enough for what it was i didn't get all the way to the end because like i say i was getting uh beat on my life's but i did manage uh, the 15 levels i managed to get to level 12 which was into the the gorgon compound the bosses once you get past that you are actually uh you're you're, you're playing which I, I watched a replay through for the last couple of levels that I, I missed which were also weirdly in the the gorgon gym so you were just in their changing rooms uh, running about and <laughs> and it was like inanimate objects that was trying to attack you but when you get to the end you face off with uh, stavros garkos the, the manager of uh, of the gorgons and instead of hitting him with a ball what you do is uh, kick the ball after his big massive bag of money and when there was no more money in it he, he started crying and that's, that's how you beat him very deep very deep and then when you do eventually beat him it just comes up and says well done <laughs> does that even tell you who won the charity match no it just, it just says well done you've, <laughs> you've won <laughs> that's the end of the game which again I don't know I think I would have been furious if I'd have made it to the end and I just got a pat in the back and a wee well done <laughs> It gets points, I guess, for unlike Roy the Rovers trying to ram in a whole other Fitba game uh, on top of the, the the original game mechanics and failing at both. Yeah, he knows it's a platformer. Yeah, they've they've, they've went for what, what was popular. I, like I can't remember what year this game was it ninety four ninety five or something like that. So you've probably got you've probably got Aladdin and stuff like that coming out of that. Like not long before that, that's obviously everybody's loving and. That's the kind of games that they were emulating. Something that's come off a screen and onto onto the game, and it, it's got the same kind of colourful stylings as as a game of that generation. So, would you recommend it? Weirdly, yes. It's annoying, but I think see if you're having a, a wee get together with pals and you're just taking shots each of the controller and playing a couple of a couple of games with a couple of pals, then I would I would definitely whip this out for half an hour and and, and let everybody um, just go napper. That is what we're all about. 
That is what we're all about. Well, that's another football special done. That's free now, man. We're getting on a bit, McCormick, aren't we? We're about a wee while now. You're, you're going to have to um, start doing American football. <laughs> Gridiron. <laughs> a sport that, would, that baffles me even more than regular football, can't you? <laughs> oh, Gridiron, man. I know, it's like chess. It's like fucking me. But anyways, that's a different episode. But I, what remains to be seen is... Thank you very much, Johnny, for coming on the show this week. No, thank you very much for having me, as always. And uh, we're now kind of at the good time where we get to go and watch Scotland uh, play Spain and, and hopefully qualify for Germany next year. Well, let's keep everything crossed. It's a difficult game for us, man. But, you know, Scotland sometimes they put in a shift against these good teams. Probably need to eat my words next time, but all hopes, man. Anybody want to take the last words? And the seagulls follow the trawler because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. See you later.